Most people only know me as a broadcaster or the guy that does the video games. One time in my life I played hockey. Blackhawks Live. Tavar threw it in front, taken by Bob Murray to Olchek, right in, he scores! Ed Olchek, who's so cool around the net, has a great touch. Eddie Olchek. We all have favorite teams when we were growing up and had the opportunity to play for them. And for me, it was the Blackhawks, and I got that chance as an 18-year-old kid. Now, it's time to talk Hawks. <laughs> Go Blackhawks! Here's Joe Brand. I'm sure you recognize that familiar voice. Hawks are in Seattle tomorrow, so thought it was only fitting to check in with Edzo. We'll talk to him about that matchup. And if you didn't realize, when Eddie Olchek came into the NHL, he was also 18 years old. Now, he wasn't getting the kind of recognition that Connor Bedard is right now, but still getting thrown into the NHL as a teenager, I'm sure that was a very significant part in his life. Kind of want to pick his brain about what that's like, and maybe that'll shed some light on a few things that Connor Bedard is going through. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live. Our producer is Jack Heinrich. The Hawks' next game is tomorrow in Seattle. They take on the Kraken. Three games left on this road trip before the All-Star break hits, and it's the Pacific Northwest slash Western Canada road trip. Hawks are in Seattle tomorrow, they're in Edmonton on Thursday, and then they visit the Calgary Flames on Saturday before the All-Star break. So a whole bunch of time off until the next home game for the Hawks. That'll be February 7th, but February is going to be a lot of fun at the United Center. Nine out of ten games will be at the UC, and of course, the big one circled on everybody's calendar, February 25th against the Red Wings. Hopefully Patrick Kane's return to the United Center. He's been dealing with a little bit of a lower body issue. has kept him out of the past couple of games, but I'd imagine that'd be his first game back at the UC against the Hawks. And retiring Chris Chelios is number seven, so a whole lot of fun to look forward to at the UC. And hopefully the Hawks continue this style of play, this different type of hockey that they've been playing over the past couple of days. I know they're coming off a 2-0 loss to Vancouver, but if you haven't noticed, Vancouver is the best team in the NHL, and the Hawks kind of outplayed them the final 40 minutes, maybe not from the start of the second period to the end of the game, but man, they really did make Vancouver work hard for those two points, and I've said it a lot. Those are the types of games that remind me of last season. Where the team came together, knew what they needed to do, did enough to limit the other team and keep the game close, but it wasn't quite enough to get over the hump and pick up the win. Now, a big reason of that has been missing guys like Connor Bedard. And even though they got Nick Felino back yesterday, they're still missing Tyler Johnson. They're still missing Andreas Athanasiu. Now Connor Murphy's on injured reserve. That became official yesterday. And even Anthony Beauvillier, who I know was added mid-year, but he was brought in to help out the Black Blackhawks' offensive depth. And now he's on injured reserve as well. That's not that recent, but I bring it up because the Hawks are still dealing with a ton of injuries that really do affect this team's offense. But with guys coming back like Seth Jones and Nick Felino. Joey Anderson, when they were sprinkling these guys back in, the style of play, the competitive nature kept up. It continued. And you would expect that, you would hope that would be the case when bringing Nick Foligno back into the equation, bringing Seth Jones back into the equation. But it was still a little bit of a question mark because 
at the beginning of this year, the Hawks weren't doing the things that they were doing a lot last year, yet with a stronger roster on paper. We've talked about it a lot. Hawks have still dealt with a lot of adversity, a lot of speed bumps, a lot of injuries. But you still wanted to see Luke Richardson kind of muster up that competitive spirit. And now we're seeing it over the past couple of weeks. And and weirdly enough, once Connor Bedard and Nick Foligno went down. I bring up those two because it happened in the same game. It was, boy, now two and a half weeks ago against the New Jersey Devils all the way back on January 5th. The Hawks had practice today in Seattle, and Luke Richardson was asked about what has been the difference in this team since those guys went down. Just the stress on that, and you know Tyler Johnson as well, uh, which he's you know really kind of responsible guy defensively, but also you know he provides some spark offense too. So you know we just we have to win games two one right now, and and you know just have that identity of, of being hard to play against and you know even last night we showed some clips today of being above them and bumping them and after they scored their two goals with uh, some extended ozone in the first period the, we got our final numbers we outchanced them uh, in the total game by three over three more than them and uh, i don't think we gave up too much even on the power play the penalty killings has been excellent and it's given us a bit of a spark um, and confidence to go out and play aggressive because if you're not killing penalties, you can't play aggressive because sometimes you know, someone just steps on a trick or you hit a guy a stick uh, or you, you hit a guy a little bit too hard the wrong way and you're in the box and if you're not confident in your penalty killing, you can't play like that. So I think that's been a big confidence booster for us as well. But offense isn't there. you got to hunker down on defense and, until you work your way out of it. It was kind of a weird game for the special teams last night. The second period was kind of overpowered with special teams and a few times the Hawks would get a power play and then commit a penalty of their own so it quickly went to four on four but Vancouver did not play that great of a game or or I'd like to credit more the Hawks than say Vancouver didn't play that good of a game because it is the the continuing trend that we're seeing the Hawks are doing a better job of limiting the other team's best players Not stopping them, but limiting them. We talked about it when Connor McDavid came to town of the Edmonton Oilers, and Troy Murray was mentioning it yesterday with Quinn Hughes. The Hawks, yes, allowed Hughes to score the second goal in the first period, but then they did a good job of limiting him and kind of tweaking their game plan to make sure he couldn't be as lethal as he's capable of being. I mean, Rick Tockett wasn't pleased with his team's game last night. That's the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. And if you haven't noticed, the Blackhawks' last win against the New York Islanders, that cost Lane Lambert his job. That's the second head coach to be fired after recently losing to the Blackhawks. Earlier this year, Craig Berube of the St. Louis Blues was the other. And in fact, speaking of that game winner by Seth Jones in overtime against the New York Islanders. It's now time for us to cue the shot, brought to you by Curveball Whiskey. With some speed up the left wing, stepping in over the Islander line, cutting through the high slot, he'll flip it on goal, he scores! Hawks win in overtime! Seth Jones' first goal of the season finds the back of the Islander net, and the Blackhawks prevail in the extra session. Final score of the Hawks, four, and the Islanders, 
When we cue the shot, it's brought to you by Curveball, the original barbecue whiskey. Join the Bonehead Nation today at curveballwhiskey.com. That's Curveball with a K. K-U-R-V-B-A-L-L whiskey.com. It's a real cool twist on barbecue sauce and whiskey. I, 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 you got to try it. You got to try it before you knock it. Uh, it's from the same creators as Screwball Whiskey. Obviously, uh, people remember that one and, and enjoy it in different kinds of circumstances. This is the same type of thing. Turn it into an old-fashioned, throw it in a Bloody Mary, use it to make pulled pork, get creative with it, have fun with it. It's good stuff. Uh, so the Blackhawks haven't won since that New York Islanders game. I should say that was two games ago. But they've also now gone on a real rough road stretch. The Hawks have lost 17 consecutive road games. They've been shut out in the last two road games as well. Two totally different games, though. A lot of positives to pull from last night's game against the Vancouver Canucks. Not so many against the Buffalo Sabres a week ago. But the Hawks were able to bounce back from that loss against Buffalo, beat the New York Islanders at home, carry some type of momentum into Vancouver, even though coming off of a 2 nothing loss. And I, I got a feeling they're going to knock, knock this off on the road trip. They're going to finally end this skid. They're playing a lot of stiff competition, though. Seattle, Edmonton, Calgary, all teams either in the playoff race or hoping to get into the playoff race. But with the way the Hawks have been playing lately you're starting to see a different trend of their game. Now, Connor Bedard is still going to be out at least four weeks. Yes, I say at least four weeks, not at least six weeks. We're, we're going to clarify that. We're also going to elaborate a little bit more on Lucas Reichel being another healthy scratch as we continue on Blackhawks Live here. We also talk with Eddie Olchek about the upcoming game, the Hawks visiting the Seattle Kraken, all here on Blackhawks Live, 720 WGN. Turning back the clock and discoing into our second segment here of Blackhawks Live. I'm Joe Brand. Our producer is Jack Heinrich. We talk with Eddie Olchek after the 7.30 news. Hawks taking on the Seattle Kraken tomorrow night at Climate Pledge Arena. The Hawks on this final road trip before the All-Star break. All these late games, 9 o'clock puck drop last night, 9 o'clock puck drop tomorrow night. And actually, it's a nationally televised game, so it might even be a little bit later but uh, still an 8.30 FanDuel Sportsbook pregame show here on 720 WGN. And nice to just kind of continue the trend of all these late games. I'm typically not a coffee guy past noon. That's that's being polite, but I uh, have to dive into the caffeine a little bit later over this next week. So it's nice to just kind of continue on that trend and not turn it into a, a whole lifestyle change. The Hawks are hoping to get Connor Bedard back at the soonest in four weeks. Now, I know there was some kind of miscommunication yesterday. Luke Richardson talked with the media before the game and said it's still going to be at least six weeks. But he was referencing at least six weeks since the original timetable was announced, which at that time was six to eight weeks. That was two weeks ago. Connor Bedard had the surgery Monday, January 8th. The team announced it on Wednesday, January 10th, gave that six to eight week timeline. Now, that's still a little bit gray because it's not entirely clear of whether it's six to eight weeks after the injury, which was technically Friday, January 5th, the surgery the following Monday on the 8th, or when the news was announced on the 10th. But really, I don't think it 
it matters. The only thing that matters is when the doctors say it's okay. And this isn't even a thing of when does Connor Bedard feel ready, because he probably feels ready right now. If you haven't been following along, he's continuing to take the ice after practice, before practice, and a little bit during practice now, too. He's not with the team on the road trip right now. And I brought that up a few times in the post-game show. Troy was saying that Connor Bedard's dad was at the game yesterday, and how could you not be? His son's team playing the hometown team, the Bedard family from North Vancouver. But with how competitive last night's game was, and how much of just a hockey addict Connor Bedard is, and how competitive he is, it was probably draining him not being able to play in that game and try to help out his team against the team he grew up rooting for. So you got to feel for him there. I mean, you feel for him overall with this whole situation because I imagine this has got to be the longest he's ever had to sit out. So that's probably draining him. This slow recovery process is probably draining him too. Even with him taking the ice during practice, the training staff isn't allowing him to take slap shots because they don't want him clenching his jaw too hard and setting this back a little bit more. Luke Richardson was using phrases like the bones settling in his fractured jaw. you got to make sure that all goes right because, of course, you don't want to delay this whole process, which, again, will likely take four to six weeks. It's a gray area, but we're not going to know anything until another four weeks. Now, the good news is the All-Star break is coming up, so that's two weeks already that he wouldn't have been playing anyway. I point that out because I'm very curious of what his stats are going to look like at the end of the year, if he still will be a Calder Trophy candidate or a Calder Trophy winner. He'd be the first since Artemi Panarin. And how about that? The fact that if he gets that, Artemi Panarin won the Calder Trophy that year. Big reason because of how good Panarin was that season, but also Connor McDavid had a a broken collarbone, I believe. So it's just a little bit coincidental. But again, everything that Bedard has done since going into the NHL really doesn't leave us to believe that he's not going to be the same player when he comes back. Remember how much worry, concern, questioning there was about how Connor Bedard was going to do with physicality of the NHL? He did a pretty darn good job. Not just providing physicality of his own, but finding the right spots to kind of absorb hits, avoid hits. He wasn't able to avoid or absorb the one against Brendan Smith that broke his jaw, but did a pretty good job of getting well acclimated into the NHL as an 18-year-old with all that type of physicality. One guy that's really stepped up since Connor Bedard's been down is Philip Kurashev. It's been exciting to see him slowly evolve and improve. And we were seeing that a lot with Bedard because it seemed like those two were generating a lot of chemistry within each other. But Kurashev's just becoming a lot more confident, able to burst with the puck a little bit more, keeping his head up for the, the right types of passes. He continued on the top line with Nick Foligno in yesterday's game. Unfortunately, one guy that hasn't taken advantage of his playing time with Bedard down is Lucas Reichel. 
Reichel was a healthy scratch yesterday against the Vancouver Canucks. Not the first time he's been a healthy scratch. Last time he sat out, he sat out for two straight games. He came back with a little bit of a jump into his game. It wasn't completely significant, but it was there. It was noticeable, but it wasn't consistent. And he's kind of been up for the main criticism so far this year in terms of play on the ice. And a big reason of that, let's be honest, is how much expectation was in Lucas Reichel's game heading into this year. Probably looked at as the second most important Blackhawk on the roster, maybe even still, in terms of the Blackhawks' future success in this rebuild. But this year has been frustrating, it's been a little discouraging, but it's also just half a year. So I'm curious to see what happens when guys start to come back. Might Lucas Reichel get moved down to Rockford? He might. Will that help him? It might. We don't know that for a fact, though. I, I used the comparison in last night's postgame show about the whole Arvid Sutterbloom situation. A lot of people were ready to send Arvid Sutterbloom down to Rockford before the team got back home after the St. Louis game before the Christmas holiday where the Hawks coughed up a three-goal lead in the third period. The Hawks didn't do that. They kept Sutterbloom on the roster. They enjoyed their break. They came back from it. They used Peter Mrazek a little bit more. We'll see Sutterbloom either tomorrow or Thursday against the Edmonton Oilers. Luke Richardson wouldn't tip his hand today after practice. I would be willing to bet that it'd be Sutterbloom tomorrow, yet I was wrong the last time the Hawks had a back-to-back. As our producer Jack Heinrich nods his head, and my shame. But who knows? Either way, it's really worked out for both goaltenders. So whatever the Hawks choose to do with Lucas Reichel, whether that's send him down, whether it's not, I think they deserve the benefit of the doubt because of how well, so far, it's worked out for Arvid Sutterbloom. And again, the best case scenario is that you get the most out of Lucas Reichel for the long term. It's not just about this year. You want to make sure his confidence, his ability is manifested and molded the right way for the long term. Not the short term, not only this year. The Hawks are in Seattle tomorrow. They take on the Kraken. Eddie Olchek is going to actually join Darren Pang on the national broadcast TNT. So it'll be old and new Blackhawks broadcasters. But of course, Edzo, the Chicago native, we talked to him about Seattle. We talked to him about Connor Bedard and the league itself. But first, we've got to get to the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom with David Jennings. He's got your news. Blackhawks Live 720 WGN. Welcome back to Blackhawks Live here on WGN Radio. And a very special guest. You know him, you remember him, you love him. Eddie Olchek, now television color analyst for the Seattle Kraken and uh, longtime Chicagoan as well. Edzo, how's it going? Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Hey, Joe. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. And, uh, Happy New Year to you and your family and all those great Blackhawk fans back home in Chicago. 
Thank you very much. Well, I, I'd love to uh, break down the Brother Rice Marist matchups, but I, I just I'm not quite sure we're going to have enough time tonight, unfortunately. So uh, we'll we'll just dive. So you, so you couldn't so you couldn't get it a Brother Rice, I guess. Saying, right? <laughs> no, no. For whatever reason, the the score sheets aren't popping up. It, it says it's a couple losses, but that that can't be right. So uh, we'll we'll have to. See if uh, we can get the internet fixed up. But uh, there is another relevant matchup coming up. Blackhawks taking on the Seattle Kraken, and obviously two teams you know very well, but uh, definitely want to pick your brain about this Seattle team that's a little streaky right now. I I mean, you guys had a 13-game point streak and and now on a little bit of a skid, but any idea why this team is so streaky right now? Uh, Really not. I mean, I think it's just it's kind of the way that it's gone. You know, you, you mentioned the 13-game point streak. I mean, it had a nine-game uh, win streak, uh, you know, at the tail end of that. And right before that, they had won in eight games, and now they've lost four in a row. I, I would say more so this last streak that they're on, Joe, this four-game losing streak is just like the Hawks have uh, have dealt with, you know, for the majority of the season. I mean, you know, when you, when you, when you take out a guy like Connor Bedard and you take – Seth Jones out and you take out Nick Felino and I know Felino looks like he's you know he's back and ready to go but you know the same thing has happened to the Kraken is they've lost uh, some of their better players here and, and then they've had an illness kind of go through the locker room and everybody seems to have been hitting uh, been hit by it and uh, that's just fact and look at everybody goes through injuries everybody goes through illnesses and and it takes its toll but uh, I think this last uh, this losing streak that they're on right now I think it's more of a direct result for you know the the big guys that they've had out of the lineup now they might be getting a little bit healthier here uh, you know in the middle of the week to the end of the week so obviously a good thing for them but um, they've gotten great goaltending all season long and uh, for them, uh, their better players started playing better probably 15 to 18 games ago, and that's why they've gotten back in the playoff run. It was such a big year for your team last season, and it's kind of interesting because every time they matched up with the Hawks, it was it was significant matchups. It was uh, the game where Seattle took down the Hawks at the United Center, polished off a, an unthinkable road trip, and then the last game between the two teams was the game after Seattle had clinched. But in terms of last year's team to this year's team, what are the biggest differences between the Kraken over the last calendar year? Mm, I mean, there have been, you know, I, I would say that they're, you know, the, the after having obviously a disappointing first season with only 60 points, Joe, and everybody compared them to Vegas, right? You know, a new team in the National Hockey League, well, obviously you're going to go to the Stanley Cup final. I mean, that's, you know, that's not going to happen. I mean, look, will, will that ever, I know, I know ever is a long time, but the chances in our lifetime will we ever see another major sports team uh, made in voyage them go to the you know go to the Super Bowl in year one or go to the World Series in year one or go to the NBA championship or the Stanley Cup. I mean, what Vegas did, what now, six-plus years ago, I mean, that's I don't think that's ever going to happen. So they obviously had a disappointing 60-point season, and then last year they had a 100-point season. So um, I think for them, they're, you know, still kind of finding their way, and, you know, they've they've got some young players still, I think, learning on the job, and then they've got some really good veteran guys here that, They've kind of showed them the way. And like I said, the goaltending for me has been very, very good all season long. So I think that's probably been the one thing where the goaltending has been probably a little bit more consistent this year. But look at the league is so tough. It's so close. You just, 
you know, you, you gotta, you know, you gotta win the games, uh, you know, that you play really well in. And then, uh, you know, you're going to have those 20 other games over the course of 82 games where schedule and injury and just sometimes you feel like your legs at baggage claim and you're not going to play well. It's what you do with those other 40 games. So I think for them, they're, you know, they're, they're a deep team. They play quick. Uh, they're relentless. And I think the run of getting only to within one goal. Of the, of the conference final, conference final in the West last year, uh, there's a lot of expectations, and you know this is a team that believes that they can go on another run. But again, you got to get into the playoffs before you can make any kind of run. So uh, they've got some depth, uh, they've got some uh, solid defenders, and uh, they've got when healthy, they've got four lines, and that's the way that they'd like to roll them. Talking with Eddie Olchek here on Blackhawks Live. I do want to talk about the league a little bit because, Edzo, sure. so many coaching changes and yeah. a lot of them looking like they're justified because teams end up going on a run. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you feel like this is going to kind of elevate a, a trend in the NHL because it's easier to move one guy than 20 if something's not working out with a roster? I mean, look, I lived it in Pittsburgh when I was working in Pittsburgh some, uh, geez, it's hard to believe, some 20 years ago. And, you know, when, when things are going well and, you know, it's, it, it is especially tougher now, I mean, with the salary cap to make moves or whatever. But, you know, if management and ownership feel like, you know, the team is not playing to their level or feel that they need a jolt, yeah, it's always easier to get rid of one coach or a couple of coaches. But it uh, it, it does seem that when uh, teams – have success and they do make these changes um it kind of sends a tidal wave of of you know what well look at look at look at these teams you know you start pointing fingers you start looking at just take for example what's happened just say over the course of the last year i mean just with you know with vancouver and in edmonton now edmonton did now let's let's be honest i mean two years ago jay woodcroft took the oilers to the conference final in the west but um so you know look at you know, the, I know the Islanders made their change, and you know they had a big win against Dallas. And Patrick Waugh's first came behind the bench for the Islanders. So, you know, is it a trend? I mean, I, I guess it, it 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 could be, and it could be looked upon that way, Joe. But if if, uh, if it continues where teams and coaches fire uh, or ownership and managers fire coaches and teams go on heaters, then it'll probably be a little bit more uh, apt to uh, to be a little quicker to uh, pull the plug and and, and make those changes because. Again, it is a a win business, and uh, if you're not winning and you're expected to, um, you know there's a pretty good chance there there's going to be a change. What about the All Star break? We got that coming up. I mean, you're so well yep. tapped into the league. Is there anything about the All Star game or the All Star break that you think would benefit the players differently or better, or, or anything you think would just improve the overall experience? Um. I mean, look. I when I was working at NBC, I, I mean, I think I did fourteen. You know, I did fourteen All Star games, and then I, I'd be honest. I think the first six or seven, Joe, were, you know, I think they were good. I mean, I think the competitiveness was there. I think the, you know, the energy level was there. I think players wanted to be there, and all of a sudden, it just kind of seemed like it changed. And then you started having guys go through the motions, and you know, it just it. it I mean, it just became, uh, I mean, quite frankly, it just became a farce. I mean, there's no other way to say it, and that's why they changed it, you know, kind of implementing, you know, the skills competition a little bit, you know, outside the box. And, you know, this year, you know, got celebrity captains and those types of things in Toronto. So, look, I think that anytime you can celebrate the great players of the game, 
uh, it's important to uh, to give back and give back to the community and give back to the the greatest fans in all of professional sports. So, um, you know, look at I, you know next year will be interesting. I, I mean, you know, there's been lots of talk about a you know a, a in season tournament for you know native uh, you know countries and and uh, you know. Um, you know, have a 14 tournament of some sort. And I would imagine it would be over the all-star break. I don't think that you're going to be stopping the season, you know, so to, so to speak. I mean, I know what happened with the NBA this year, but, you know, I think maybe next year you might have a, you know, a four country tournament instead of the uh, all-star game. But look, the league has tried You give them, you know, you give them full marks for trying. I mean, you see what's happened in the NFL where they don't even play it anymore. Now it's flag football and everything else. So, uh, you celebrate the great athletes of all these uh, of all these sports, and in particular, National Hockey League. And uh, you know, you give back to the community, and that's certainly the most important thing now uh, when it comes to the you know the All Star Weekend and All Star Celebration. Wrapping up things with Eddie Olchek here on Blackhawks Live. Lastly, Adzo, you mentioned his name earlier. Blackhawks fans are waiting on pins and needles for any update about Connor Bedard that they can get about <laughs> him returning. But, I mean, hey, you, you were an 18-year-old, too, when you were first mm-hmm. entered into the NHL. I know everyone's experience is different, uh, but yeah. w- what can you tell us about being a teenager, entering into the NHL, and just immediately making that your life? Yeah, well, look, I mean, for me, I've nobody was luckier than me because I got a chance to play for my hometown team, and I lived and died. Uh, as I always have and always will, um, you know, with the Blackhawks. And I got a chance to play my very first game as an 18-year-old and and live the dream, you know. And then I didn't know anything. I didn't know any better. It was just like, you know, get to the National Hockey League and, and get a chance to put on the greatest sweater in all the professional sports. And it's, uh, you know, you're, you're learning. You're, uh, you know, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to entertain. You're trying to uh, live up to the expectations of, of, uh, of everybody. Most importantly, yourself. And I look. I mean, Connor Bedard has been reared very well. He's been coached extremely well coming up. Uh, you know, we have a tie, so to speak. Uh, his junior coach uh, was John Paddock, and uh, John Paddock coached me and, and was my manager in Winnipeg for a bunch of years. And, and I've always said that John Paddock was. Uh, the best coach I ever played for in the National Hockey League. And, uh, you know, he was taught very well. And when I've had conversations with with John about uh, about Connor Bedard, I mean, obviously, you know, just the type of, of player, but most importantly, the, you know, the work ethic and the person off the ice. So, look, at it's not easy. I mean, it's a grind. And, you know, look at every level, and this is, you know, most – young players that come into the National Hockey League and look at Connor Bedard breathes way different air than I ever did and ever have and and but you know like when you go when he goes or has gone two three games without scoring a goal let's be quite honest it's the first time in his life he's ever gone three hockey games without scoring a goal and even though you know he comes back and he gets three and two or whatever it ends up being like those are the things that you have to deal with the psychological part of the National Hockey League, and um, you know, for him, obviously, he's lived up to all the expectations. Obviously, it was very sad to see him get hurt, but um, you know, that's another thing too, right? Is just you know dealing with it and the, and everything that's been asked of him off the ice as well. And I saw that firsthand when I was in Pittsburgh coaching and 
Sidney Crosby came into the National Hockey League right with the expectations of, of, of coming to Pittsburgh and, and helping save the franchise and, 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 you know, being the next voices to carry the National Hockey League. So Connor Bedard is certainly living that. But look at it. This is all he's ever wanted to do in, in, in his life. And he's got an opportunity to play in the greatest city in the world with, with the, the greatest franchise and, and all of professional sports. And, uh, he's getting a chance to live that dream, and uh, I'm sure he will be there for 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 many many years, uh, making Blackhawk fans a bunch of happy humans night in and night out. Adzo, great stuff as always. I wish we had a hundred more minutes, but I, I know you got to prep for the game <laughs> against uh, the Hawks. So uh, thanks again, and uh, have a great call. Hey Joe, thanks a lot. Always great to be with you, man. Appreciate it. Well, it's been going on since about seven o'clock. Last stop of Blackhawks Live here on 720 WGN. John Landecker will take over after the 8 o'clock news. But first, we've got Jack's look around the league. Producer Jack Heinrich, what's going on, man? Trying to stay warm and awake with all this time change and for dr- us. And dry. And, and dry. And steady on the roads. We were talking about how slick they were last night. Yeah, it was, wasn't as bad by me. I heard it was worse by you. Yeah, and you, and you heard that from our uh, fellow producer that was hitching a ride with me. And yeah, no, it was, it was tough. It was scary. Don't slam on the brakes, people. Don't slam on the brakes. Don't slam on the gas. Just coast. Just do a little tap, tap, tap a and you'll be okay. Yeah, it's good. Good reminder. Um, Joe, five-star five star Uber driver thanks. for our pal Alan. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Still waiting on the rating. Yeah, uh, we'll have to work on that. Um, but anyway, it's going around the NHL. Uh, last week, I mentioned the Oilers were on a 10-game winning streak. Now they're on a 13-game winning streak after their win on Saturday over the Flames. That is the longest winning streak by a Canadian team ever. That's kind of surprising. Yeah, I thought so too. And they're they're in action tonight. They're going for 14 against Columbus. But yeah, longest win streak ever. Um, and I'm trying to find the score. I'll have to take a second. But yeah, longest win streak ever by a Canadian team at 13. They've really flipped their season around going on that head coaching, getting fired train yeah and that's that's why i wanted to bring that up with edzo just because i mean it's 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 happened before in the nhl but it just seems like it's so much more prevalent this year and the fact that all these teams are doing it and then it's working out for them makes me feel like this is going to continue i i saw a few of the guys on spit and chicklets um complaining about the fact of eric spoelstra signing an extension for, I don't know, crazy amount of money. Yeah, $140 million or something. Or... Yeah, and that's like more than Connor McDavid's making. Yeah. <laughs> and Okay, this is the head coach for a basketball team making more than hockey's biggest superstar. It, it, it's just crazy how different the leagues are. And I know everyone isn't totally up to date with like what's going on in the NHL, but you know I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing for hockey because it, it can obviously influence a team and kind of re-energize a team but it it really stinks for the head coaches but i do think that the nhl recycles head coaches a lot more than any other league i mean if you're out of a job odds are someone's going to land you the following year i mean it's you don't see that as much in other leagues um so i I do think it's a little bit of a double-sided coin no, oh, yeah, it's interesting. $120 million eight-year extension for Eric Spolstra. He's, he's one of the top head coaches in the NBA, but we've never seen something Did the Bucks like just that. fire their head coach? Yeah, they had fired him today after 43 games, and they were 30 and 13. How does that make any sense? Apparently Giannis was, their superstar, was not having okay, it with okay. him anymore. So and, kind of the LeBron thing yeah. when uh, 
man. Yeah, a lot more personality divas. I feel like in the NBA than other sports. Well, that's no, that's one hundred percent true. Yeah, um, but yeah, and then going with the head coaching theme, I think you mentioned it a little bit earlier with Eddie uh, Patrick Waz, the head coach of the Islanders after the Blackhawks beat the Islanders. They've underperformed a little bit. They're fifth in the Metropolitan Division. Now he takes over. They won their first game in overtime, a thrilling one at home. Um, Seems like a lot of energy in New York now since they've hired him. Uh, And, you know, that's a team that's not really exceeded or or met their expectations over the past couple of years. Uh, Patrick Waugh, I mean, what a personality, though. What, What a character and you know Troy Murray played with him won a cup with him in Colorado mm-hmm. he was talking about this in the pregame show uh, and again that's that's the kind of guy that can light a fire under a team and I brought it up on Twitter you know Bo, Bo Horvat scored that game-winning goal in overtime for the Islanders I mean last year it, it was this trip that I filled in for John Weideman when John's voice went out and we were in Vancouver for Rick Tockett's coaching debut, right. the Vancouver Canucks fired Bruce Boudreaux, and everyone knew it was going to happen because it kind of leaked, and Rick Tockett was oh, that's right. yeah. on the media side of things. And, uh, I mean, look at how well it's worked out for the Vancouver Canucks right now. And I bring up Horvat because Horvat was the captain of the Vancouver Canucks at the time. And it's just, along with head coaches, just goes to show you what a difference a year can make for players, too, and captains, too. It, you know, it's such a... Such a sacred thing to be a hockey captain, but now even that's kind of uh, more interchangeable than in years past. Right. So Patrick was there uh, in New York. Sorry, I lost the train of thought. Still waking up. Um, <laughs> so they they are playing again tonight too, and then the Oilers are playing. They're dropping the puck in about ten minutes, and then uh, this was touched on too. I think he touched on it a little bit yesterday. Vincent Trocheck and Kyle Connor. Uh, we can elaborate a little bit on it. They're named replacements for Connor Bedard and Jack Eichel. Um, so no Hawk representative, I guess, technically going to Vancouver, which would have been cool for Dickinson because he's from around there. Yeah, no, I, I, it would have been cool for Dickinson. It would have been cool for Mrazek, who used to be on the Toronto Maple right. Leafs and actually was traded and could have been uh, a return tour for him. And, hey, look at me now. Look at what I'm doing with the Hawks. Uh, Dickinson just, you know, his story gets better and better and better. But obviously the two-year extension kind of helps – Dickinson's surge this year as well. But yeah, no, it's a bummer. No one's going to represent the Hawks in the All-Star game, but I I just feel like that's what you're at the mercy of with All-Star games. Right. You know, rules change and the league is just so hyper-focused on making sure they get it right. Um, Those types of things are going to happen. All right. Thank you, Jack. You got it. That's Jack Heinrich. Big thanks to Eddie Olchek for hopping on. Again, the Hawks' next game against the Seattle Kraken tomorrow night in Seattle. We'll have the FanDuel Sportsbook pregame show at 8.30, puck drop at 9 o'clock. Thanks for listening to Blackhawks Live.